Hey, what's up, guys? Just give me one second. I reshared the link. Even though I just did, just reshare it again. What's new? Hopefully everyone's doing all right. Even though we just, uh, we just spoke. <laughs> or we just streamed. Give me one sec. Where did I put the link? Did I delete it? No, I didn't, right? One sec, one sec. Oh, here we go. Okay, cool. All right, so I'll start in a second. I just reshared it. Um, I'm going to do this on, so this will be, we'll do this for 30 minutes. Uh, and this will follow the Tuesday and Thursday stream. So ultimately, the this is a new thing because I, I typically, I just did one day a week. So the Friday session is still going to be, we're still going to be doing that. That's going to be the longer call-in session. Um, these will be abbreviated. They'll be right after the streams. Give you a chance to, if you, if you tune into the streams, um, to ask questions. Uh, so it'll be open discussion. Again, none of this is financial advice. Um, shout out to Colin for, uh, for allowing me to be part of their platform. Great team. David Sachs is awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pretty much just open it up allow you guys to, you know, if you just watch the stream to ask questions, it doesn't look like anything has really changed. I stepped outside for a second. So I, I said during the stream, I don't know if you guys heard there was sound outside, but I have contractors um, working on a, a new fence. So since buying a new house last year, uh, it doesn't matter if the house is new, you still do a million things every time you buy a house. Um, and it's been like that for the last couple months. So the fence is this week and then who knows what it would be next week but i'll open it up it looks like again the s p is back above 4k <clears throat> tomorrow cpi so we went over sort of game plans leading into that uh christopher let me get you on here hey what's up pal Can hey. you hear me now? hello yep. how's it going so uh, I had two questions, like uh, the pump uh, today, just now. Do you think it was due to CPI tomorrow? And also, what types of uh, setups are you generally looking for in this market? Um, so the pump that took place right now, I, I don't think it's necessarily due to CPI. I think you have, just after a significant move outside of a range like we had, you're going to have people that are covering shorts, um, especially considering that legacy has moved lock and step with crypto. Uh, and there's a significant amount of short covering in legacy and people like David Tepper saying that he covered his shorts. And so if you have the market moving up in, in legacy and in the indices briefly, crypto is just following it. So you have some profit taking down here, um, some short covering, but it doesn't look like anything really has changed. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, it's, it's prices in a good level. So it, it's not like if we didn't have traditional markets the way they were right now and us to have sort of this major pressing issue with inflation and, and the Fed, then this would be a great level to get reinvolved just from a risk reward standpoint. So there's plenty of reasons to assume that this level would act as some kind of temporary support and offer a bounce no matter what. Um, Again, this situation is unique, though, because we have a, a different sort of macro context that we're currently navigating. So it makes sense that this level would bounce. I don't think it's for the CPI. I know that, you know, there's going to be 
there's a handful of people that think CPI is going to be lower. Some people think it's going to be higher. I don't, um, I, I gave my game plan on the stream as to how I'm trading CPI. My trading, I mean, if the opportunities I look for, it's pretty open on my Twitter. I don't know if you've been following me for a while, but I trade using order flow and TPO. So a combination of market structure, TPO to identify sort of what kind of behavior the market is um, exhibiting. So whether it's ranging or trending, and then I use market structure and that to determine the levels I want to get involved. Um, and then I'm trading on behalf of order flow. So I'm trying to interpret order flow to see where the market is getting positioned, where size is getting involved, where their trouble points are, where they might take profit, where they might be potentially in you know a position where they have to close out and reconsider. And I'm trading around these flows. So it's trap setups, momentum setups, and so forth. Okay, great. Uh, thank you very much. And just wanted to say much appreciated with uh, all the work that you're sharing with everyone. Um, yeah, really enjoy it. Thank you, Christoph. Likewise. All right, Mitchell. What's up, bud? Hey, Ryan. Um, hey, so there was a, a, a couple of things that like I've, I've seen on your stream. Um, and I know you, you mentioned uh, Crypto Watch uh, today. Does that uh, allow you to uh, track the, the BTC uh, CD for like spot uh, versus like derivative? No, so Crypto Watch, the um, Crypto Watch is a great platform because it's again it doesn't use a lot of your computer's resources. It's great for monitoring the market. Like if you're just looking at a bunch of charts, you want to look at a bunch of charts with their, you know, their times and sales, their order books, spreads. Um, you could actually trade through Crypto Watch too on some exchanges, but it doesn't have any kind of like really advanced order flow features. Other okay. than tape and um, you know market depth and and again it you know spreads are uh, spreads are one piece of order flow, but it doesn't have CVD. The CVD you could find on a couple different places. You could find CVD on Coinalyze. So Coinalyze is where there's a spot CVD and future CVD aggregated versions. Um, that's probably the more common platform that people use lately. Okay. They want to see like Binance's CVD, FTX CVD, you know, Coinbase CVD, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, or on ExoCharts, which has the individual exchanges CVD, depending on what chart you're looking at. Yeah, I use Exo, but um, they don't have spot. So I, I, I wanted to get the, you know, to be able to see the divergences. Yeah, um, so I would, use, I would use Coinalyze. I don't know if you're familiar with the website. I've, uh, yeah, I've heard of it before. Do you have to get a premium in order to get that data? I, I, I tried going through it, but I, I couldn't find the CVD. I think I just got to navigate it. Uh, no, it should be, um, it should be in just under indicators. And I don't think you need to have a premium account. Um, okay, cool. What you get if you have a premium account is you don't have to deal with like the advertisement that pops up on the right side of the screen. Mm -hmm. But I think this is, I think it's free. I honestly, I don't know. I've had an account for so long and like, one of the, like sometimes I, I'll tell people that something's free and I'll forget that like months ago, just because I have a larger Twitter account, like someone gifted it to me and I just completely forgot. And I've been sharing it the entire time telling people it's free. Gotcha. I, I, I think it is, but that's where you'll get spot CVD. The thing about spot CVD, just to give you a heads up, mm -hmm. it's not worth looking at on the higher time frame. 
it's only worth looking at on the low time frame if you're looking at, like you said, divergences, cases where right. like last week, week before, after we had a we had what looked like a move up and it was a fake out and the market melted down. And then it was, you know, a case where people were clearly just getting aggressively short because it looked like the market was going to melt down further. In those two instances, in the last two weeks, there were very specific cases where it was clear that spot CVD started to push up against derivatives. And, and you can see that if you're looking at like a one minute, five minute, 15 minute chart on Coinalyze. Okay. And then um, do you do you track the CVD for uh, like the ES SPX? Um, no, not anymore. Okay, so because I know you you obviously like uh, like have an eye on it when you're like watching BTC, but you don't take that uh, into effect when you're trading. No, I mean, so I originally, my background, I started trading. I was trading. I was an equity derivatives trader. I was trading equity index futures, right. not equity derivatives as in options, because that's a whole different ball game. But when I was trading them alone, and the same with trading crude oil, I was looking at the actual CVD and looking at the actual footprint for those vehicles. But what I found was when I tried to also do that when I was trading crypto and BTC, one, the correlation wasn't as strong back then, but it was still like, it was way too much information to try to disseminate at the same time. It was almost like, okay, what happens in the ES is happening to BTC. It kind of makes sense for me to expect that there's a lead lag relationship. There's going to be still setups that occur on Bitcoin on its own based on underlying flow and positioning. If I was to look at like the SPX on a very low time frame or the ES rather, um, if I was to look at that order flow, I think it would just make my process a lot more noisy. Whereas I'd rather just look at the ES and kind of categorize it as we're either fucked, we're okay, or we're looking really good. And then depending on those situations, like if the ES is looking great, you know, you're willing to be risk on more significantly in crypto. If the ES is stable, sort of the same thing. But if the ES is in a position like it is recently, then that's the only piece of information I need. I don't need to see like, you know, it was a time when actually I had like the more recently I was like, oh, maybe I'll just have the time and sales up for the S&P. But even then I was like, I, this is too much. Like it, I'm just, it's already a pain, like, because the problem is trading crypto order flow is already a pain in the ass because you're already trying to organize a bunch of different pieces of information because of the exchange fragmentation. Right. Even though the exchanges, like you can, if you want, just track um, one large exchange because they, they're all tied together by market makers and algos to begin with. But right. still, it's like, well, what happens if you're tracking just BitMEX or Bybit? And usually that's okay. But in this particular instance, someone just got you know ridiculously long or short on Binance or you would it would benefit you to know that piece of information. So do you, do you, do you track BitMEX? I mean, it, it seems like there's not enough volume for it to make a difference. It seems like it's more noise. Yeah. I used to track BitMEX when everybody stopped trading on BitMEX. Cause I figured that it was going to be smarter flow. Uh -huh. I figured, okay, now they're going to have KYC. It's not going to be as retail oriented. Um, so maybe this will give a more like filtered order flow. And now I, no, I haven't paid attention to it recently, but I, but my point just a second ago, I know flow traders who just track BitMEX and they trade perfectly fine because again, the same, there's, there's sometimes you'll see that there's actually a relationship between Binance's order flow and BitMEX's. Like you'll see that there's probably some kind of entity maybe sharing a book or, or, or trading their, their approach through both exchanges simultaneously. 
Um, but again, it's a lot to, it's a lot to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about trying to find like what, what player is pushing the market, right. And where they're trying to do business. Um, and you know, obviously there's a lot of players that use Binance. So, I mean, you would think that more often than not, that would give you the answer, but, uh, yeah, it does. But the one thing I will say is like finance is uh, sometimes I'm a little skeptical of their data, right? You just, you don't, uh, kind of like, uh, how you were talking earlier about, uh, that massive increase in OI back in the fifties. Like when it comes to Binance, I don't really focus too much on like the footprint. I just look at local changes in open interest. Um, but that, that change in open interest is kind of weird. Um, and then they also like their data sometimes, I I guess there's a little bit of latency in terms of when we get to receive it just in my experience. So again, if it's, if you're getting something that's already five minutes old, it's like, how useful is that? But right. it, it, it absolutely has become in the last couple of months, something that I definitely keep right in front of my face either way. But I still, I want to confirm it based on more than just what I'm seeing on the exchange. Right. So in that aspect, do you, do you kind of not take action if only Binance is showing something and like FTX and Bybit or not? No, I mean, there's, so more recently, it's, it's not like that specific. Um, right. Obviously it's contextual. Yeah, and and really what I ultimately want to act on behalf of anyway is things that really stand out regardless of, you know, whether it's on Binance or, or another exchange. And on Binance, like, you'll see periods where open interest, the velocity of open interest really accelerates or really picks up. Um, and then I'm just trading on behalf of Binance. But I could, if I looked over, like, if I looked over things after the trade transpired, I would see like, oh, that setup was kind of taking place on Bybit also. But I was at that point, I was just focusing on Binance. So I can't say like with a hard and there's a hard and fast rule. All I can say is it's a lot to, as you can tell, it's, it's a lot to manage because it's kind of like there's no hard and fast rule. And you're kind of always trying to make sure that you have like we could talk about, for example, like Binance and how important it is. And then there's some kind of anomaly that that's on FTX that you don't want to miss out because that was like a, a whale that was T-whopping in and eating through the entire book. And, you know, cause you didn't think FTX was important or, or keep it on, you know, under your purview, you missed out. Yeah. So I guess the thing is like always making sure that there's a scan of every exchange that's relevant by open interest, which is really just three now. So um, and do you, it stands out. What's up? Mm-hmm. Do you do you take more uh, consideration into what the CBD is showing you if you see like a consistent rise in open interest? Yeah, yeah, because it's so if structure is really clean, like if the structure is really cleanly putting in either like the example of like lower highs, um, and and let's say it's or it's just let's say it's even highs and CBD is kind of just ripping, and it's clear that there's a there's absorption. If there's an increase in open interest, then yeah, I'm a little bit more confident, especially when it occurs downward. So if it occurs where price is making, you know, even lows or a slightly higher low, but CBD is making lower lows and open interest is going up, that's kind of like a, that's as good as you're going to get with a, a short squeeze setup, right? Because you're seeing, all right, so it's not only that CBD was making a lower low, indicating that there's more selling, 
that could just be longs closing out, right? But still, it would imply like, okay, there was more selling. It, it was longs closing out, but there was still absorption. Mm-hmm. But if you see that with that, there's like that complementary increase in open interest, then it's all right. So now it's not only that it's longs closing yeah, out then, business. Then you know it's shorts. Yeah, it's new, new business opening up, right? That's going to help the move in the opposite direction. Okay. Thanks, man. Certainly yeah, man. appreciate it. You got it. All right, Pedro. Hey, what's up, man? Hi. Hi. Uh, this is my first time uh, listening, so uh, I have just uh, one general question. Actually, two general questions. Uh, so one is uh, regarding the the U.S. stock market. Uh, what do you think? Uh, do you think we are in a bear market? And uh, if yes, what are the reasons why we are in a bear market? Uh, the same. If we are not, same question. If yeah. we are not, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, what I will say is like right off the bat, I've said this. I've said this for a long time now. There's no real objective measure of a bear market. So the first thing you have to understand is there's different things that people they they agree on. Different groups of people agree on certain things. Like some people say you have to be below the 20 on the weekly, the loss of the 100 on the daily, a 20% drawdown from the highs, you know, a 20% drawdown in the Nasdaq. Um, it could be a it could be a situation where market breadth is really unhealthy. Um, you know, the amount of stocks that are rising versus declining over a 180 day period. There's a bunch of different things that people all sort of, you know, believe are their, you know, good reasons for us being in a bear market. So on its own, you might have some cases where some of those are satisfied and you have people that are, you know, still making a case for a bull market still existing. We don't even have that right now. We don't have the luxury of having that. The only thing that we don't have right now is the S&P 20% off the highs. But every other measure, regardless of, you know, it's not, again, there's no objective agreed upon standard for a bear market. There's different things that have been agreed upon by, you know, significant portions of the market. But no matter what, we've, we, all of the things that individual people arrive to as, you know, they, they use as a, as their reasoning behind, you know, why we're in a bear market, we are, we're satisfying all of them right now. So I think without question, you could say that equities are in a bear market. Again, whether you're below the 20 on the weekly, the 50 on the weekly, you know, we're 15% off the highs. Um, You could look at different indices compared to each other. I don't think there's a question of whether or not we're in a bear market. I think we are in a bear market. What does happen is people think bear market like bull market. And I think this means like, well, the bull market lasted 10 years. Now we have to be in a really long bear market. One thing that I guess would inspire hope in people is that bear markets are pretty short, actually, compared to bull markets. Right. You could call it a bear market. You could call it a correction. It, it, it is you call it whatever you want. Honestly, it's, it's just a longer term period of declining prices, declining volumes, changes in market structure. Things are thinner now. Um the indices, so the S&P, for example, that's mostly being propped up by Apple and Microsoft, right? Apple's 6% of the index. Um, so I, I, I personally don't find it being up in the air. I think it is a bear market because there are all these things that on their own individually, people might not agree on, but they're all being, you know, they're all flashing red right now. Um, so that's my take on that. I mean, it, it again, this could be 
something that doesn't last for a long period of time. It's, it's purely, it's all reliant right now on the Fed, right? And inflation. That's the number one thing right now. There's nothing, I, I, the reason I say is because there's nothing internal that's going to make, that's going to pull this market up. It's not going to be, you know, uh, continued great earnings across the board. It's not going to be, you know, some kind of development from any, any of the internals that make up the S&P. None of those are going to drag the market up. It's all based on the Fed. So, yes, I, I, I absolutely think it's a bear market. And for, for more reasons than one. And if you, if you were to just Google bear market right now for the stock, for stocks, you would see that we've satisfied basically all of them. Um, I think all of them, and again, I said the S&P is only 15% off, but if you look at something like, you know, the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ right now is off the highs. It's, it's almost 30%. So yes, I, I absolutely do think we're in a bear market. Now, another thing though, is we've been, I think we've been in one for a long time. We've been in, in crypto, we've been in one for a, a while besides, you know, idiosyncratic flows here and there, certain rotations, um, certain narratives, but we We've been in a period of downward prices now for if you if you look back at the Nasdaq going back to December, right? Um, if you look at crypto, it's we're in a range for over a year. So it's not like this is new. So you know if 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 the Fed continues to hike rates and or if we you know we see inflation come down, it's possible that we're closer. I mean, you could say it's possible that we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning. Um, but I don't want to you know go too far down that line because. Again, that's just that's that's not concrete enough. Okay, thanks. Uh, uh, my, my time frame was kind of multi-year. I was so we had the bull market that started in 1980 that lasts until 2000. Oh, okay. And, the, and then we we had a big crash, and then we started another bull in 2001 that actually ended kind of right now, I think. So my question was kind of multi-year. Do you think it's like a multi-year thing or the I reasons mean, why? So or yeah, that? by by all measures on the higher on the in the long term, we we've, we've been in a secular bull market. Yes, um, exactly. If you're looking at something like uh, a quarterly chart or a monthly chart, I mean, we're actually in a spot where, like for example, like the twenty period moving average on the monthly like we've used that as support plenty of times going back to you know going back to breaking out of the range in that was a range from january 2000 all the way to you know may or april of 2012 we held the 20 period on the monthly and we bounced off of it plenty of times and consolidated around it and the, the larger trend never changed but i think one thing to remember is that the index is it's a survivorship index, so it's it's filled with things that are doing well, and when they aren't anymore, they're replaced. So, so it has that component to it. It's also it does reflect the underlying change in in money, right? So over time, prices have gone up, um, and and this is not necessarily because the, the value has just gone up. Right? This is a, a a product of the dollar as well, or this is related to the dollar as well, not a product, but in the high, high time frame, right? Then yeah, nothing, nothing, the further you zoom out, the more, the less significant this, this is. Significant looks like, the next significant thing on the chart is like September, 2000, 
or the top of October 2007 leading into the financial crisis. So we haven't even had anything close to that yet. So by that measure, then no, we're, we're still in a high time frame. So th- this is where I guess it's also important to distinguish. There's no, you know, there's different ways that people use this language. Like when they say the trend, you could talk about a trend that takes place in a month. You could talk about, you could talk about a market that's flat for months, but it has trends within it within the weeks. You could talk about a market that has been in a bearish period, but it's only, you know, it's something that lasts a couple months. Locally, in terms of our, our local trend, we are in a period of downward prices and, you know, shitty conditions. On the high, high time frame, nothing has changed. But, you know, nothing has changed yet. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, so no, no, the other question I had, uh, what do you think about cryptocurrency in general and Bitcoin, in, for example, in particular? Um, yeah, I mean, I... I I think that Bitcoin is heavily correlated to levels of global liquidity. I think it's correlated to risk assets. I think it trades like a risk asset. Um, I don't think it has the store of value feature yet. I don't think it's uh, digital gold yet, 100%. Um, I think it has a long way to go. I think that it sort of trades like a tech stock. So right now when stocks are moving down, it's not. you're not going to really see a situation where Bitcoin outperforms. Um Maybe if the, maybe it would be forced to change if inflation kept getting worse, uh, and we saw that the Fed's efforts were for nothing in vain. Um, but I don't; it hasn't been the case recently. So I think, if anything, the more important detail is that it's been acting like a risk asset, so it's going to continue to. So as long as if the S and P continues to move down. I would say Bitcoin continues to move down. I think right now it's it's purely reliant on global markets and, and macro. Okay, thank you. That, that's all the questions I had. Have a nice, have a nice day. Thanks. You too. Yeah. Okay, anyone else? I didn't realize I still have my music playing in the background, the stream music. <clears throat> Someone else wants to hop on. I have five minutes left. We'll stay on three minutes till half hour period. But I think this is good. We do follow ups to the streams um, half hours after, a half hour after, and good. Some more. Okay. Joe, what's up, man? You just have to unmute yourself. You there, brother? Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, man, I just got a real quick question, a little bit different than all the stuff you're going over today. Um, since you came from the world of TradeFi, <clears throat> with your tinfoil hat on, what are the chances that like a Wall Street fund like uh, Citadel was involved in crypto with with Luna yesterday? Or is that something that TradeFi wouldn't get involved in? I think that that would be really hard for them to pull off in a short amount of time. Okay. Um, I I really doubt it. I mean, you know how crypto is and Twitter is and, and the rumor mill gets started. But I, I, I really highly doubt that it was someone like Citadel. Um, okay. Their role, you know, they're they're looking to be a market maker. I don't think that they would tr- take such a sort of aggressive approach to getting involved in this market. 
being, you know, you know, considering their stance in legacy markets and what they represent. And they've also been like in hot water before. Right. So for different reasons, I, I doubt that, I doubt that that would be the case. Um, and there's something else I want to touch on. I, I, it just ran out of my head, but yeah, I, I, I really doubt that it was the case that Citadel had anything to do with it. I mean, it would take them um, a really long time to just borrow that amount from different people in this market to put on a huge directional trade and, and, and gotcha. not for nothing, a directional short, right? Um, and doing that in this market where it's a pretty transparent market, the people that are coming to this market, unless it's like the dumbasses that came months ago and were public about shorting Tether, and the people that come to this market from TradFi don't think about the short side really. Because you don't okay. approach, you know, when you have experience, you don't approach a market that's like a hundred vol market and look for shorts. It's just way too dangerous. Like you see what happens in, you know, you saw just the GameStop, right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> no smart money comes to a market with like for the first time, right? New in the market, not saying they don't approach a market in short because there's clearly plenty of short hedge, short only or, sh- you know, short prioritized hedge funds. But not in this market. They, it would be very unlikely that they would be like, okay, this is we're first and now we're in this market. And what we're the first thing we're our first order of business for our first big trade is to take a really adversarial short position. Um, again, a, uh, a fund that is largely delta neutral and is you know not taking directional bets. The likelihood of that happening is almost you know almost zero. So somebody from trade from that you know the trade the Wall Street world, they almost like they'd have almost more rules that they have to follow. You're not saying oh that. Oh my god, yeah. So okay, yeah, and just listen, people. Um, people have no idea what they're talking about on Twitter. On ninety percent of posts you see when they're talking about what takes place in legacy markets, when they're talking about what takes place in TradFi, um, it's just like it's entertaining, but it's it's it, it it's not almost ninety percent of it. I was going to say half. Is just complete bullshit. Yeah, that's what I figured. I figured a professional, you know, group like that wouldn't be involved with. I mean, who knows? But something like that. Yeah. So. All right, yeah. that's it, man. My God, okay. thanks, brother. Of course, man. Good talking to you. All right, Christopher, I'll take you on again, and I'm going to wrap it up. Oh, you hopped off. Oh, let me get you back on. There we go. I pressed the wrong button. Oh, yeah, okay. all good. Yeah. Uh, in terms of setup, sorry for asking again, but I remember you mentioning before the inside the bar setup. Inside day, yeah. Inside day setup. I was thinking if you had something similar or some pattern that you had seen that maybe was working, or is it just level to level uh, at the moment? Uh, I mean, I, in the stream that I just did. I w- did you just watch the stream? Uh, I didn't watch the whole. I had to leave from work. So. Oh, okay. Well, the good thing is that the summary for the stream is actually over. I mean, it's done. So the guy who um, I mentioned in the beginning of the stream, I have someone who writes summaries. He just told me that it's done. So I'm going to post that. And it has like basically everything I went over in terms of game plan. Um, mm-hmm. Probably a little bit clearer because it's written down. And again, it was in the stream. The inside setup, there's none of them right now. So that... You know, that's a very basic setup inside month, inside week. I mean, people take it down a notch. They'll do like inside 12-hour, inside four-hour bars. Um, but there's nothing like that right now. 
Nothing like that right now. We're forming our first period of balance after a pretty strong trending day. Okay. And the other thing I was wondering, I'm I'm not sure you don't seem to be like the most macro focused type of guy, if I'm not mistaken, but if I'm maybe the Fed, they will start to do the <coughs> QT next month and they've been doing QE until even April, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think like this will also have some impact on the market, like in terms of credit and yeah, that possible like liquidation event or something like this that would then turn into a possible bull market or something? Well, uh, so that's kind of like the transition that we're hoping for, even though it's a grim um, outcome. It's kind of, it's, I mean, it's pretty sad to think that way, but that's the way it works. Um, yeah. So QT beginning is not something that has been priced in completely. And clearly the market hasn't been doing a good job of pricing everything in advance anyway, because we've continued to move down. So prices in what it can. And then it's just a very, it's a touchy market right now. So clearly we've moved down more than anything else. Um, so yeah, maybe something happens with credit. Maybe something happens where, you know, we see that inflation actually, there's an effect on inflation. I think the more likely outcome is what you first touched on it, which is something breaking. And then mm. them having to actually stop, right? To actually right. pivot, um, because then it's actually a matter of oh, the economy isn't as strong. We're going to ruin things, and mm. it's kind of like the lesser of, of two evils at that point. It's okay. What's worse, inflation or people actually having no money and no job, mm. um, and not being able to pay for gas and you know things like you know de- fuels, the cost of fuel, commodities. Think about farmers, how that affects them. So at some point, it's it, we. I think you get back to the the point where they have to just resume some kind of printing. So yeah, the idea is to not, you know, die before then, right? To not <laughs> ruin your, your chances. So yeah, and in also in terms of altcoins, because uh, maybe it's just me, but it seems like some of the altcoins have been very strong, like even today and. Other days like Ape and uh, <clears throat> GMT and others, uh, do you think like these will take a bigger hit then maybe? Yeah, 100%. Or... Yeah, no, without a doubt. There's, because there's it no seems like... If, they, if Bitcoin they're... takes more of a hit, there's no way that those alts don't continue to move down 50 to 80%. Yeah. Okay. Because it just seemed like people don't want to face the music or however you say it in English and... Yeah, they're just uh, living up in the clouds, maybe. I don't know. That is, uh, that's the case, and that's the, that is the rule. That is ah. always the, that's always the case. Oh, I see. Okay, well, that was all for me. Thank you very much once again. All right, man, good talking to you. All right, D, what's up, man? D, and then TJ, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Oh, let's hey, try that. Up, Can you hear me? Hey, buddy, yeah, how you been? Up? How's it going? Uh, not much. Doing good, man. I was uh, chuckling during your stream at how many people were coming to your front door. It's like, <laughs> what's going on, man? You know what it was? But I realized oh, I, I thought like fifteen times. Yeah, you could hear that. Could you hear that uh, ring? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, it's actually I have to set like the the uh, sensor zone because what I noticed was I got one package, but it was like the guys walking through the sensor zone back and forth. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Word. Um, I just two things. I was gonna be real brief. One of them probably doesn't in, 
actress as many people, but um, I'll ask that one first. So with regard to block roots, man, I thought you had, you, you were talking about that in January and February a little bit. I hadn't ever heard about it in a little while, but it's cool to hear today on a stream that you were still working on that. Um, can you, can you give a little scoop on that or is it a big surprise? Uh, or I, what's can't, up? I, I can't say it publicly because it is something that doesn't exist right now. Um, it's taken longer than expected. I think, uh, I think one thing that I've always Ooh. realized, and I think it's probably a lot of people realize is ideas always take longer. You run into, you run into issues. Um, but we have everything set now. Uh, now, honestly, I, I won't get into exactly no what doubt. it is, but what we have to wait for is to have, a our minimum viable product. It requires a good amount of work from some writers. Um, so once they're done, which should be by the end of this month, we'll be good to go. Uh, and I, I could tell you, obviously, outside. Of Sweet, this, man. I'm stoked. But, um, yeah. We're, yeah, no, we're, no worries. No worries. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm excited. It's just, it's been, it, I wanted to, I'm, so did Josh. We wanted to put it out faster, but it's just been, you know, there's a, a lot that I guess we didn't anticipate would go into it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stoked to hear that you're still kind of cooking on it, man. I thought, you know, uh, I've just kind of, you know, you, I know you make so much money trading that it's kind of like, you know, it's a side project for you or a, maybe more like a passion project, but I also know you love teaching. So, um, you know, just helping people out. So anyway, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see what it is. We can talk about it some other time, but, um, my other question was with regards to when you're, what, what's your go-to right now for looking at, um, who's buying the dip basically? Are you looking at, are you looking at, uh, like funding rates? Are you looking at, you know, CVD on coin allies? Are you looking at spread or Delta on, you know, you have like Binance and perps and, and spot stacked up on trading view or what's your like go-to for that these days? I mean, I'm still kind of relying and hoping that it works um, for this kind of larger move that we're still probably going into. I'm still relying on really good in the past, which is looking at longer data futures. Oh, okay. Some background noise. Sorry, that's that's wind. I just wind chimes. Yeah, I'm I'm headed to the climbing gym right now. But nice. I'll step back in my house real quick and I'm looking at linear futures contracts to see if we could get compressed closer to zero. And honestly, this is not something I really like to rely on or consider too much. But markets as a whole right now have been hammered down for a really long time. But the sentiment from just a fear and greed standpoint was actually never really that bad. It honestly, it's pretty actionable once it gets down below, like, I think it's like 13 or 11. And not on its own, but you can't look at Twitter sentiment. You can't look at Twitter sentiment because that's just, it depends on what room you're in. It's your speed, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, And Twitter is very, it's going to be positive either way because a bunch of believers for the most part. But the combination of looking for signs and backwardation in, you know, the fear and greed index for both markets and... And of course, looking at, you know, you're looking for signs of absorption. You're hoping that funding goes through a period of being really negative. Um, But we haven't had that yet. The funding so far, like I said, that was negative the last couple of days was because spot was just selling actually much harder. So you need like that. I think we're I don't think we get away with a a change until you have a big capitulation situation yeah yeah <clears throat> totally agree with that I, I, like there was definitely noticeable absorption um just like watching the charts like one minute chart um 
and I, I haven't been doing as, as much order flow lately. I haven't been trading as much as you know, we talked about that, but um, I did take a fair amount of trades yesterday. It was kind of one of those no brainers money in the street days. So you can't ignore those, but um, the, it seemed like there was a fair amount of, of absorption around 30, but at the same time, I, I agree, man, there's, there was nothing, there was nothing even close to capitulation. You touched on in the stream is like, there wasn't any, even any single prints. We just grown ground down for hours on, on hours. And I mean, that's nothing like what we're hoping to see for a, for a real bottom to get put in, at least for me. No. Yeah, you, exactly. You hit it on it with the, the single prints. And honestly, um, I, it's ugly and it sounds like something where you end up late to the, to the scene, but after this move and with the direction everything is going, the capitulation is probably going to be a candle that's like a double digit candle that recovers almost, you know, it's going to recover yep. like halfway immediately. Yeah. And like be like dip oh, to 22 and back up to 28 thing. Yeah. And you're going to be like, okay, things are going to start settling down hopefully now. And, and maybe we're looking at a bottom. And then after that is honestly when I would want to see the signs of people really still betting on continuation. You know, then you're looking yep. for absorption. But without that capitulation, I feel like we're just putting off the inevitable. And like at this level, yeah, you're going to have it's like a logical level in, in any other situation for this to act as support. So it's going to be something that shows brief periods of absorption because you do have people that are buying right now thinking that they're buying the bottom, you know? Yeah. And maybe it is <laughs> like maybe it goes down to maybe it, 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 it has to be an amazing cool. CPI print for it to yeah. be the bottom. Right. So I think it's um, it's it's too hopeful to expect right. anything other than that. All right. Well, cool, man. Appreciate you. Don't want to take too much time. Got to run anyway. Good talking to you, buddy. Likewise. Later, man. Enjoy your day, man. Later. All right, TJ, let me get you on here. And then I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, I've been following the BTC SPX chart. and They're, they're closely tied together. So Bitcoin and S&P 500. Um, we're seeing a lot of liquidity escape from the capital market right now. Obviously, that's going to translate to the crypto industry. I'm, I'm looking at it pretty much of a price target at 22000 for Bitcoin. Would you say that's a fair assessment? And if so, what's the play on that from where we're at now to twenty two? Um, so would I say that that's a play? Yeah. I mean, so the way that I preface these things is those levels, um, they absolutely exist, right? 22 back down around previous all-time high. I, I don't really start thinking of levels too far in advance until we've already dealt with the ones that are in front of us. Uh, but I, I, I have to say, if, I, if we get down to 22, I think we probably wick lower than that. I mean, I can't see. So if we go down to 22, we accept basically back within a gap, right? It was kind of a one-way trip from October or September 2020 all the way up to all-time high. Mind you, there were two weeks where we had like a pullback in, in January, 2021. Um, if we accept into that gap and we don't see, like maybe we get a flush down to 24 and then we immediately recover. And then, yeah, that's your bottom, but it's already done. Like you're not getting involved at 24. It's going to happen so fast. And you're not going to have a chance to buy down there. Setting bids is one thing, setting kind of lottery, lottery bids that that seems like possibly a good idea. If we sp start spending time around 24, like if we break down, you said 24, right? Cause I'm, uh, 22, 22, right. 22 right. to 24 though. It's relatively the same range. Okay. Yeah. That's like, there's a small little, if I'm, if I'm correct, there's like a small little consolidation right between 24 and 22. Um, if we start hanging out around that region, 
I would anticipate it's going lower. So for 24 and 22 to, to be support and to like add up as like the bottom, I would need to see that that is that kind of capitulation wick, immediate response, almost immediate recovery. Because otherwise, if we hang out around 22, 24, I think it's more likely that we go lower. It, it's just, there's nothing, that's not really like a very significant level. The really significant level market structure picks up around like 14, 13. Not to say that that's a, a target that's like reasonable to call for right away. Um, but the point is, if we start passing back below the lows of last summer, yeah, maybe a response at 22, 24. But I think if we actually hang out below the, those lows, like hang out below 28, 29, I don't know if I would want to like put all my money on 22, 24 being the bottom. Just approaching it like it's a gap and gaps kind of fill. Um, and we've seen how reflexive this market is. I would anticipate us wicking much lower. And then, you know, maybe playing it by that, at that point, maybe we're back up around 24, 22. Uh, but again, I don't, my, the point of prefacing with this with saying like, I only consider the levels ahead of us is because we'll see when we get there kind of thing. Like if we start having trouble at these lows, then yeah, it starts to make sense to really anticipate again, 22, 24, that little cluster. But I, I don't know if I would want to put all my money on that being the bottom if we end up hanging out around there. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's my general feeling on the matter too. Like I said, we can't have price appreciation in the crypto market without new liquidity, right? And you can't have new liquidity when you're watching the S&P 500, NASDAQ and Dow just dump um, and people move into cash positions and things like that. So I pretty much think it's in the bag. That's just my forecast, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. Cool, man. Good talking to you. Do you anything else? All right. I guess we'll wrap it up, guys. Um, we're about 46 minutes. So for those of you guys who watch the stream, thanks for watching the stream. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. And I will be on again on Thursday, right after that stream. So the stream is 1 p.m. Stream ends at round two, and then a little break, intermission, and then hop on the call in for a half an hour. Um, okay, everyone have a fantastic day. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap it up, because um, I'm starting to get a little tongue-tied. My mouth is getting dry. And then I start thinking about how my mouth is dry. I, I don't want to get involved right here. So I could happily long if we reaccept it back within the range above us. That means buying higher again if we are putting in a floor back above like 35, 36 region. That's if we're putting in a floor, right? Otherwise, I think we're going lower. I think we have not put in the low yet. And that means more than likely testing the 20s again. So testing what could be down to, and if this goes according to what I would expect, it would be if we push lower, we probably take out the lows of last summer, which is like 28.8. Um, and then if we don't reject right there, then that opens up to what TJ was just saying, which means, you know, moving lower down to potentially test the midpoint of that gap, even though if we got that far, I would hope that it was a very fast move and, uh, the market recovers very quickly because otherwise it'd be, if my point was, if we hang out in that gap, it's more than likely we're going lower. All right, guys, that is it. Um, yeah, have a good one.